0: is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thanks so much for joining me. We have a great show coming up today. I have with me my special guest, Kurochi Patrick. He is a very interesting man. He's an artist who focuses on illustration and photography. He's the co-publisher of two children's books, A Breastfeeding Nursery Rhyme, This Milk Tastes Good, written by his wife, Jania Patrick, and another children's book, I won't eat that, about an extremely picky eater. Kuroji is also the father of five, and he's a community activist whose educational efforts reach everyone from expectant teenage parents to healthcare providers. Mr. Patrick is working on Black Mothers Breastfeeding Association, Breastfeeding Mothers Unite and the W.K. Kellogg Foundation to develop some short videos involving fathers more in the breastfeeding process, which is really just an extension of his outreach efforts to support and promote breastfeeding in all communities. Um, hey, Kuroji, I, I, I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm so I'm still sort of reeling from the evening that I met you because I really hadn't intended on meeting you at all. But I guess that was just uh, one of those wonderful moments when all of a sudden there you were and I had to meet you. What can I say?
2: (laughs) Well, it was an honor as well. I enjoyed sharing our dance.
1: (laughs) yeah it's like okay listeners i i want you to envision this i'm standing on an exhibit floor i'm waiting patiently to chat with um I think it was Kath- Kathleen Kendall Tackett. And yeah. all of a sudden, out of nowhere, or seemingly nowhere, comes this tall, thin man who takes my hand and starts dancing with me on the exhibit floor. Now, I have never met this tall, thin man in my life, but lo and behold, it's Karoji Patrick. And he's <laughs> twirling me around as though we're on a dance floor, and of course we're really not. <laughs> So, so thus was my introduction to Kuroji. So when I tell you he's a very interesting and fun man, I think that's probably the understatement of the year. So, dance man, (laughs) (laughs) tell me this, how did you get started as a breastfeeding advocate?
2: Well, initially I was uh, always um, a silent advocate. I would see someone out nursing, uh, Uh, a family out nursing, I would silently or uh, just did eye contact and say thank you and keep it moving. At the time, throughout the years of my five children, uh, who are all breastfed, we basically, uh, you know, uh, didn't have a product to sell or anything like that. It was just something I came into because of the fact that I knew I was breastfed. And my father advocated for it in the simple fact that, um... He, he photographed all of us uh, nursing off of our own mother.
1: Oh, wow. And so it,
2: it was always embedded in us. It was When I decided to start uh, producing, reproducing, um, I decided that uh, whoever I'm in, involved with was going to be on that path or I probably wasn't going to be with them at all. Um, and that, that's a big statement of saying that I'm married five years, happy anniversary to my wife as of yesterday. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it, it started off as a silent thing, just uh, acknowledging the, the, the life happening. And then uh, my wife and I decided two years ago to tell our own story via a children's book. And I'm an illustrator. I'm an artist by all trades. Uh, my wife was sitting around nursing and coming up with this jingle. And the whole house started singing it. And I was uh, kind of joking said, let's make it into a book. And people enjoyed it. And since then, um, I do give credit to health. Health Connect One for bringing us in to do a, a dual presentation. And from that moment forth, I've been uh, jet setting across the country uh, speaking on behalf of breastfeeding and breastfeeding fathers.
1: So, Kuroji, back up for a moment. It sounds to me like being a breastfed baby was something that you, you were always aware that you were breastfed as a child, apparently. Absolutely. Yes, because apparently your your folks took pictures and I know that you're also into photography so it sounds like your parents valued photography as well and so you've got a, a record of this. So it, it sounds like from the beginning you had made up your mind that this was such a big part of your value system that your kids were going to be breastfed.
2: Indeed. Um, yes. I, I would have had it no other way. Seriously. Uh-huh. Um, they, you know, um, my mother and father decided long ago, um, 72, <laughs> uh, that that was the way they were going to go with me and my two younger brothers. And to be able to, again, to be able to see that and watch my two younger brothers go through the same method I went through, um, was it's, it's powerful. Um, and, and I would be remiss if I didn't extend that to my own children.
1: So just to give our listeners some perspective, and by the way, for any of you who have ever met Karoji, he looks about 27, but he's not. I figured... <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, Thank yeah you really. So I mean, you, you've got that that big grin and that slender build, and you just look, I, I was really surprised when you said you had five kids. I thought, oh, my word. Uh, so, you know. Breastfeeding was not as popular some years ago as it is now. Uh, so I'm guessing, you, you told me how old your kids are. I can't remember. How old is your oldest?
2: My eldest child is 20 years old.
1: Okay, uh, so that means. We have is, a
2: 17, 9, 4, and 20 months.
1: So that means that your first child was breastfed in 1994? Yep. Okay. Now in 1994, let me tell you, and, and for those of you youngsters that are listening, trust me, uh, I was out there growing a lot of gray hairs in 1994 trying to pull people along because we'd had a lot of hype about breastfeeding, but the fact of the matter was, uh, there was a lot of talk, talk, but there was not a lot of doing. And so the fact that Kuroji was jumping on board with the whole breastfeeding idea in 1994, and clearly his wife, uh, uh, remind me, it's Shania. Shania. Janaya, yes, thank you, yes. Uh, so did you have to talk her into it or did she just kind of, was there sort of an un, unspoken expectation or did you have the discussion? Um,
2: it, it was a mixture of both actually. Uh, she, before we, uh, before we got pregnant, she would always notice I would speak to uh, nursing mothers, say congratulations to, to uh, women who were still, uh, who, were, who were expecting. Um, saying congratulations to the the fathers if they were present or assuming that the the gentleman with them was the the father and still extending that congratulations. So it was um, sort of kind of an unwritten uh, aspect of things, Uh, but it didn't take much convincing for her to say, you know what, this is what we needed, this is what we're going to do. And I I, I applaud her and, and appreciate her for it.
1: I'm sure. I'm sure. But I also, you know, there's so much literature that shows that having support for breastfeeding is so important. And having support specifically from the baby's father is so important.
2: Indeed. <laughs> um, there are reports out the Wazoo now that uh, speak to that. And uh, my a lot of my work uh, surrounding engaging fathers with with. Uh, Black Mothers Breastfeeding Association and 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 various other programs uh, speak to that, and, and with that, there's an influx. There's an influx of stay-at-home dads, work from home dads, oh, right. who are in the fight. But it's it's never the conversation of the caregivers, the the care providers that that are even engaging the fathers. Um, one of my uh, soapboxes of sorts is uh, when. When my wife and I go to a doctor's visit for one of our children, and the doctor, nurse, technician, whomever it may be, uh, addresses her and she defaults to me, it becomes a red light in their, in their protocol. Yes. Um, because it almost seems like I'm overbearing, I'm too dominant, I'm not allowing her to speak. But the fact of the matter is I work from home when I'm not traveling. And sure. working from home allows me to know the last time my baby had a... You know, the bowel movements, the last meal they ate, uh, when was the last time they were sick, anything of those nature, and I'm able to answer without thinking about it.
1: Well, tell you what, you just keep those answers just a-coming, because on the other side of the break, I'm going to ask you so much more about that. Hey, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I have with me today, Crouchy Patrick. We'll be right back after this short break.
3: for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894
0: Navigating the Cancer Maze with host Grace Galler. We'll help you with the facts, planning, and grief experienced with different forms and stages of cancer. Listen every Friday at 12 noon U.S. Pacific time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Call Marie today at 703 787 9894 to find an option that works for your staff.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're
0: listening to Born to be Breastfed. back to the show.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Bianchuzzo. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I have with me today, Kuroji Patrick. And before we jump into our second segment and uh, pick up where Kuroji left off, I'd just like to thank our sponsors, Pump and Pal, and also New Angel. I'd like to mention that if you have already got your pump and your flange is working for you, that's really great. But if it doesn't, Remember that Pump and Pal Flange works with seven different brands of pumps, and it may be your ticket to a better comfort and more milk production. And for a limited time, you can even get free shipping on the product. Just use code USPS29. Visit www.pumpandpal.com. That's com. And if you're looking for bibs, books, bra tenders, burp cloths, changing pads, diapers, gift sets, you name it, you might be looking to visit New Angel. And that is www.nuangel.com. You don't need to be pregnant or breastfeeding to love their stuff. Take a look and don't take a look now. Maybe at the break, but right now you got to pay attention because Karoji is going to enlighten you a little bit about uh, visits, visits with healthcare professionals at the doctors. And I'm guessing Karoji, from what you said, that these are probably well, well, child visits. Am I reading you right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, interestingly, you know, there has been some research around. Well, first of all, well-child visits in particular, that uh, uh, research actually, um, I believe that was Garfield's uh, uh, research. And uh, they looked at the well-child visits as they represented opportunities for fathers to increase their involvement in the the child's healthcare. But um, they've also looked at the fact that fathers feel, for lack of a better term, a little devalued. Now, the research did not use that word, but I'm using that word based on what you and other fathers have talked about. It's kind of like I'm sitting here, and it, oh, by the way, it's my child, but I'm not being involved in the question or the answer. How did you feel about that, Karoji?
2: Um, I, I honestly, I, I come across this issue a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I heard it from Wick from prenatal visits to home visits to you pretty much you name it, it, it happens. And, and uh, fathers are treated as so though we're invisible. Uh-huh. Um, I, I was in Louisiana a couple weeks ago and I gave a scenario about the father being there and the doctor not saying anything and one of the, one of the lactation consultants said, oh, because most dads are ghosts. Are ghosts? And are ghosts. <laughs> and I said, well, I said, the problem is, uh, one of the problems, and there's various situations that, that surround this, but one of the issues is that if you don't treat a person like a person when they're in your presence, they're going to, ghost, they're going to turn into a ghost to you.
1: Correct. In other
2: words, if a dad is sitting there, treat, it, treat him as such, as, as a father sitting there. And like I said, walking down the street saying congratulations to a young, a young lady who is obviously showing... If there's a young man walking with them, I'm going to say congratulations to him as well until they decide to tell me that I'm not the one. Uh-huh. The, problem at, the problem at these uh, institutions is that, again, it's, it's, they're trained to talk uh, just to what they perceive as their client instead of the family. And again, the nurse leaves the room, and then the father most times turns to the mom and says, well, why didn't she speak to me? Why didn't she say hello? Why didn't she, she treat me like I'm not here? And one of the issues I, I bring about is what about that 16-year-old father who's sure. there with his 17-year-old girlfriend. They're doing the right thing, air quotes, and this situation happens to them. The next time she goes to make her appointment and says, John, I have an appointment next Friday, the more, more likely than not he's going to decline or say something to the effect of text me when you're done. And you already, and you <laughs> yes. already lost him in the fight from the beginning. Yep.
1: Yep, you sure did.
2: So then then you call someone like me in to kind of gauge you how to, to guide you back into how to get the fathers back involved when you, you, you had no reason to lose them in the first place.
1: Kuroji, do you think that part of the fact that often what I see is that the feeding decision discussion never happens? It just doesn't happen. And so the mother ends up making the feeding decision good or bad, breast or bottle, whatever, but the father is not part of that discussion. Do you think that having the father at the well-baby visit would at least open that door? I say yes,
2: but I also say the way that the well-baby the well visits are, are handled. Meaning, uh, in my analogy I've been using as of late, is the, the waitress in the, in the restaurant. You walk into that room, you walk into their home, they walk into your office, say, how is everyone doing today? Something as simple and as general as that. The father now feels included. If he doesn't feel included, he doesn't feel not included. So now you've opened the door to allow him to know that he's there, he's allowed to speak. Because on the theory, there are a lot of clinics that only have visual aids for mothers and children. That's true. Even when they say family on the wall, it's a, the logo is mom and child, yep. uh, pictures in the, in the lobby or mothers and children or baby, baby, baby or mom and mom, and you rarely see images of dads interacting with the child. It's almost as though we're not allowed to be known as nurturers Yes, or involved. Oh, uh, actually,
1: um, excuse me, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Uh, there was a very interesting piece of research, and for the life of me, I, I can't remember now whose it was, but uh, basically what it said was that fathers were viewed as having a lesser bond with their child, not because of their behavior or some objective uh, you know, thing, but rather because healthcare professionals just assume that a father yeah. does not have a strong a bond with his child.
2: Um, it, I guarantee you, and I don't have, any, I don't have the, the concrete evidence just yet, I'm working on it. I guarantee you if, if a lot of these clinics and a lot of these institutions put together a father's box, meaning a, a suggestion oh. box, or a father's sign-in sheet, which is detrimental to the funding needed for father's programming in, the, in and surrounding breastfeeding, maternity health, eternal health, if you poll the fathers, I guarantee you they'll speak up. But the fact of the matter is, it's assumed that we, we're, not in the, we're not in the know and we don't care. Yes. When it's yes. completely opposite for opposite, for the most part.
1: All right, so let me ask you this. What do you say to the woman, never mind the healthcare professional for a moment, what do you say to the woman who says, I don't have to have the discussion about breast or bottle with my husband, partner, boyfriend, whatever, because uh, there are just some things we just don't discuss. I wouldn't ask him what kind of tampon to buy either.
2: Classic, classic, classic. I'm glad you brought this up. What What do you say? I have, to, I have to preface my, my, my true answer. I'm, I, I, cut from the, I shoot from the hip a lot of times. Every household is made up differently. Sure. Every decision maker in the household is different. It's, again, my analogy at the, the, the dinner table in the restaurant. The, the server is not going to come up and look, and look in the eyes of everybody there to try to figure out who is making the decision and who is paying the bill. They're going to address everyone. As far as the mother, if she's adamant about it's my body, my baby, yep, nine times out of ten, that that she's gotten that from somewhere. Whether it's her her own family members, her inner circle, uh, it could be a talk show that brought it up. It, it it's, it's it's a learned behavior, um, and most times, if they're adamant, there's no there's no persuading them in any way, shape, or form. My, my immediate retort to that is, is he around? Did you make the baby by yourself? Hmm. And it kind of freezes their tracks. And I know I'm not coming from, I don't have letters behind my name. I'm not, I'm not a clinician by any, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. So I'm a lot, I have a little bit of a, a leeway to, to, you know, come, again, shoot from the hip. Um, but I get them to at least think about it. You know, give him a chance to speak on it. You never know what he thinks. If you don't ask, the question is no or the answer is no. Um, and healthcare professionals, again, going back to them, uh, kind of aid that thought process. You know, how are you and your baby doing? Uh, are you having? Again, if the father figure is sitting there. It could be any type of male. It could be the grandfather, the uncle, the brother, the best friend. Unless you ask, you don't know what the relationship is. And you empower these women by saying, it's your baby, it's your body.
1: I, I want to go back to what you said about it's a learned behavior. They got it from somebody, from a relative, a talk show host, doesn't matter, but they, they got that somewhere. It is a learned behavior. Then as a healthcare professional myself, my reaction to that is if it's a learned behavior, it can be unlearned as well.
2: Yes, but you only have nine months, and most times you only have <laughs> six months to even unlearn that process.
1: True.
2: Because most women in the U.S. find out they're pregnant right around the three-month mark. Yep, they do. That's right. True. So now you yep. have approximately six to seven months to gauge them into uh, a, a daunting process of relearning themselves. And because their aunt might have said it, their grandmother may have said it, their next-door neighbor said it, their girlfriend's at the hair salon, the girlfriend's at wherever else that they're at, and they're speaking on it, it's an adopted behavior. Girl, she can't tell you what to do. That's your body. The moment someone says anything like that and it absorbs, as a health care provider, you have so much more to combat. Because while sitting in that 8x8 room or 10x10 room, whatever size it is, she's going to have all the right answers for you. But the moment she walks out of your door...
1: Speaking of answers, let me let me give you a chance to give us some more answers. Uh, on the other side of the break, I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I'm talking with Kuroji Patrick. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options,
3: answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff.
3: For a live or online course or inquire about training today, please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: Listening to Born to Be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here today talking with Uh, V. Kuroji Patrick, and we were having the discussion before we went to the break. I'd just like to remind you that this program, while largely focused on mothers, we also realize that we have a number of healthcare professionals who also listen. And for those folks, I'd just like to remind them that my series of comprehensive lactation courses is coming up this fall. I'm going to be in more cities than I can remember off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> so if you're interested, my all means feel free to visit our website my professional website is www.breastfeedingoutlook.com or if you're interested in the course you can give us a call at 703-787-9894 if you are a parent the website that would be more useful for you is borntobebreastfed.com And if you're interested in calling in, call in at 1-866-472-5792, and Kuroji will be happy to take your questions, or if he isn't, I will, but one of us will for sure take care of you. So, Kuroji... Clearly, you are very inspired by what you've done. You've been very successful, very passionate. Uh, why is a father's support so vital for breastfeeding success? I've read the research, but tell us just from the standpoint of being a father and from the standpoint of all the fathers you've interacted with, why is this so vital?
2: Um, across the board, it's, it's what, I've, what I've received from families I've spoken to across the country, is it it reinstates the position of the father, the the connectivity of the family itself. It's not... It doesn't leave mom out on the island. It doesn't isolate father as being just uh, just an entity sitting on a couch in the house. Uh Um, At one point in time, uh, many, many, many many, many moons ago, uh, you know, it wasn't strange to see dad uh, out in the front yard playing with with, with son or daughter. didn't matter. Uh, it, the influx of, of single moms, uh, other other types of institutions uh, have now, for the most part, pulled men out of the household. Sure. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier about the stay-at-home dads and work-at-home dads. There are a lot of fathers from teenagers on up who want to be... The, the reason why their child smiles. Uh, breastfeeding in itself is something that mom does and is, is, is praised about, but it leaves dad in a this, in this shadowed place. So him being the first line of support is vital if, in fact, he's involved in the household in any aspect because she needs that main, she needs that main cheerleader. Mom or mom-in-law on the phone is nice, sister or an, or a girlfriend on the phone is nice, but to have your spouse, your partner, your friend, your best friend, who is your child's father, uh, support the thing that you value most in that moment is vital to, you, to the increased number of uh, longevity of your relationships. I, I don't know how much this plays a part into this, this dialogue here, but... Uh, over the last, over the course of the last 10 to 15 years, the divorce numbers have gone skyrocketed. Yes. And I, I truly trust that uh, something as minor, as major, as minor as the support of the father in the household surrounding breastfeeding, surrounding how they're going to diaper their child, how they're going to uh, process their food, if they're going to make the baby food, all these vital decisions need to be made hand in hand in order to continue the the, the, the the beautification of, of, of marriage or well, partnership. you know, Karoji,
1: there, there's actually some good research on that. It was a study done by PAP, P-A-P-P, 2012. Yeah. And uh, that research showed, actually, that the intimate relationship quality between the mother and the father actually improved uh, when breastfeeding was part of what the family did. Yeah. And, and of course they don't really explain that a whole lot, but I guess I would venture to say that it becomes something that is, uh, for lack of a better term, just better human relations, you know? Just, just being able to relate to another human being better.
2: Exactly. If I, if I was in the household with my wife, and she was nursing, and I wasn't allowed to come in the room, uh, I wasn't allowed to suggest something for her, it would push me aside. Um, yes. And it would almost put me in a position of saying, oh, I'm not allowed to do that. Oh, I'm, that's not my place. But the decision-making together is no different than if you're about to go see a movie. Yeah, go on vacation, whatever. Yeah, you're not going to yeah. sit through a movie that you really don't want to see just, just because your partner wants to. It's going to be yeah. compromising. And, Roger, and what about- we get stripped from that a lot.
1: What about uh, teenage parents, what would be your top one or two things that you would say uh, that you would try to help them to recognize as related to breastfeeding?
2: I'm going to stay away from the, the stereotypical uh, breast start aren't just for sex because everyone says it, but if you don't yeah. give the dialogue behind it, then no one's going to receive it well. Sure. Um, to the mother... I, I implore her, this teenager, 16-year-old mom, 17-year-old mom, first-time mother, I'm going to say to her, let him do some of the work.
1: Okay. Okay. Across the
2: board, let him, let him help you. Don't ever feel like you're there by yourself. And to the father, I would echo that by saying don't ever allow her to feel like she's alone.
1: Mm, you nice. both
2: made this child. It's your job to raise this child. And that, that. that is in general across the, uh, for everything, but even specifically to breastfeeding, um, allowing him to understand, getting a one-on-one moment to talk to that young man about what breasts are and what they, how they operate. Because a lot, of, <laughs> yep. a lot of them don't get it. Yeah.
1: I think, too, that, again, the literature would bear you out there, uh, Kuroji, that if you look at the study by Anderson, That study addresses the idea that father's roles uh, and father's perceptions and father's control, and and I don't mean control as in controlling the person, but rather a sense of I don't know, sense of ownership. I'm not sure that's quite the right word I'm looking for. But uh, that role is so important because I think sometimes fathers just kind of don't know what to do or how to be a part of that. And sometimes uh, I know, for instance, that I like to talk about things like how else can you interact with the baby in a way that is nurturing? Can you, for example, be giving the baby the bath? Can you be giving the baby the massage? Can you be blah, 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 blah? Um, No,
2: Marie, that's that's very, very vital. Um I speak to this in my in my presentation mm-hmm. um, about that uh, I have a young man who who I call the the insecure father okay and uh-huh. he is the father who this is his first child. Everything he's ever known about fatherhood mm-hmm. has come from television oh, the yeah, one right. good the <laughs> one good thought process that he's had was like the Cosby show, but everything else shows dimwit, dupis, dummy. Uh, uh, and he's afraid of being that guy. Yeah, And it, yeah. it always seems like, oh, I tried to change the pamper, but mom had to come up and clean behind me. I oh. tried to cook dinner, but mom had to come and fix it. I tried to give a bath, but mom had to take him back to the bathroom. And it, again, it almost uh, eliminates you as having any responsibility in the nurturing area. Um Again, there are fathers who cook every night, and it's a special occasion when mom actually goes in the kitchen and cooks. But we don't see that in mainstream America. There are several commercials, and I'm not going to name the products. But dad's making a volcano with the daughter in the kitchen. They try to experiment; it blows up all over the kitchen. And point three seconds later, there's a mom walking in the door,
1: cleaning up the the
2: situation, and pulls out a bottle of cleaner. There's a car commercial where the, have, the mom's having the baby, the father's in the blue scrubs, he reaches out for his child, and the nurse bypasses him. They close the blinds on him when he's at the nursery, and then the announcer at the very end of the commercial finally speaks up and says, for dad's first job. And the dad is grabbing, taking the baby gingerly from mom, who is walking out of the hospital with the baby in her arms, which we know is a, is a farce. Taking the babies from mom and putting them in the car seat in the car, and it again advocates to that that you're not you're not important until after the baby gets here, and we have to change that.
1: Well, the other thing that I hear in your uh, story is that we can't give a father a job, a task, a responsibility, or a whatever, and then. Uh, Basically, give him the message that he's not doing a good enough job. Because, and and by the way, I personally never suggest the whole diaper bit because I'm thinking if I was a man and if I thought that was my only job, I would feel like well, thanks a heap, you know. <laughs> so that's not usually one of the. That's not usually the suggestion that I make. I usually try to do more of the, uh, the fun kinds of things. So Kuroji, in the minute or so that we have left, actually less than a minute, um, how g- give us an idea of the kinds of feedback that you've gotten from your workshops on engaging fathers in breastfeeding.
2: Mainly, it's uh, eye opening. Um, a lot. I've, I've had tears. I've had people give. Up- come and give me a hug for two and a half minutes, uh, wow. saying thank you for allowing me to to hear it from a male's voice, because I realize I'm doing some of the things you're talking about. I'm isolating this father. I'm not treating him like family. Um, and it's bringing it back to, again, a common... I know all sense is not common, but it's bringing you it back to that, that foundation that we all were raised on. Speak to, speak to a person when they walk in the room. Speak when you walk in the room. And the results will vary from what you've gotten. You receive the, 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 the non... I, I, I've gotten women who have written me back, emailed me pictures of starting father groups surrounding breastfeeding. And that's wow. powerful for me to walk into a room and talk Absolutely. to other fathers that have either gone through it, currently going through it, or may, uh, may be on the verge of going through is it. it's, it's, it's powerful. And wow, I applaud that, those women for going back and doing the homework.
1: That's the kind of feedback that everybody has got to be really, really... Uh, paying attention to because that's the best kind of feedback we'll tell you what we're going to have more input on the other side of the break don't go away everybody i'm marie Biancuto. i'm here with Kuroji patrick we'll be right back after this short break
3: your life your health your network for a live or online course or inquire about training today please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894 evidence for your practice starts here visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894
0: these days everyone is looking for information on staying young healthy and fit Call Marie today at 703 787 9894 to find an option that works for
3: your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to
0: Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. I'm here with my special guest today, V. Kuroji Patrick who is an artist and focuses on illustration and photography, but he's also an advocate for fathers and breastfeeding. And he does a number of workshops as well as a gajillion other things. Uh, Kuroji, tell us about your book that you did with your wife called this milk tastes good. What inspired you? This milk tastes
2: good was was, uh, born from the fact that my wife just wasn't comfortable with seeing like Baba Black Sheep and, and Mary had a little lamb. She wanted the, the essence of a children's story to let the child know that it was, it was, they were eating. Okay. And, um, again, as I said at the top of the show, she, she spoke on it. She sang. She added more parts to it. And after a while, the entire household was kind of humming along with her. Um, it actually depicts myself, my wife, and our fourth child. Um, There's some more views. So I'll give her a shout-out. Uh, and it, it it speaks from the, the child's perspective as to how the mother's milk changes flavor depending on what she's eating. So if I if I would, I know I got to be we're wrapping up, but I'll sing the first couple of bars if you don't mind. We're listening. Um, it, it says, uh, "This milk tastes good. This milk tastes yummy. My mama feeds me. She puts food in my tummy. Sometimes it tastes like meatballs and spaghetti." Sometimes it tastes like peanut butter and jelly, and it goes on. And, so and so now course,
1: I've established that you not only can dance, you can sing.
2: Oh, I can't hold a note unless you wrote it, to my, <laughs> it, put it in my hand. It's all beautiful It's a children's jingle.
1: All right, next time you pull me out on the dance floor, you better sing while you're doing it. You're too funny. And and, and so yeah, tell us about some of your through. other projects, Kiroji. <laughs> Say that
2: one more time.
1: Um, tell us about some of your other projects.
2: Uh, I'm currently soliciting Fathers of breastfed Children for a anthology of sorts um, yet to be named. Um, I, I'm doing the good, the bad, and the indifferent. So if you happen to be a father who has supported their, their uh, partner in breastfeeding and have a tale of some sort, feel free to reach out to me. I am easily able to be found on any social media site by just entering the word B-Y as in by Kuroji, K-U-R-O-J-I. You can find me everywhere on any site there is. Um, I also am working on a coffee table book um, featuring my photography surrounding um, pregnant families on through breastfeeding and, and beyond. Um, oh, nice. And then we have a couple of different uh, uh, books coming out, pledged to come out. I have a continual of This Milk no Tastes Good. One and two coming behind it. Um, One's dealing with uh, family bonding, and the other is from uh, the former child, breastfed child's perspective of what they think is happening with their younger sibling. Um, Yeah, uh, hands are full. I'm actually uh, illustrating for other folks' projects right now, which is a blessing um, just to feel, it feels good to be sought after in a sense. Um, and knowing that your work is impacting folks on on several levels.
1: Oh, most definitely. Uh, Because one of the things that, I mean, in addition to the uh, book, or is is it books that you've got, um, I'm stuck with, um, I won't eat that. I assume that also is a book, Kurochi. Yes, it's a book. It's
2: about a six-year-old picky eater named Malcolm. Okay. very imaginative young man who... uh, the voice trying to eat uh, new foods. It's not that he's avoiding healthy foods. He's, he's avoiding new foods. So if it's strange to him, he goes into his own little mind, and he, uh, he for example, he calls star fruit and kiwi alien food from the planet, no thank you. <laughs> it's just strange food to him. And uh, it, the book empowers the uh, mom and dad to combat in two different ways, to retort in two different ways. One is the nutritional value of the food, which no six-year-old cares about. Right. But it also gives them, uh, uh, with the kiwi and the star fruit, since I use those as an example, it speaks to vitamin C and how it helps keep fight the germ, the, the germ enemies in your belly. So if okay. you tell a child, oh, well, you won't get sick, it'll help you not stay sick, and it'll help your belly feel better, they're, they're more to to want to try it. Versus going ill, no, I don't know what it is. So I I don't think that it's it's, it's a good read. We do an interactive reading with it. Uh, We're in different schools and library sessions. It's it's really fun.
1: I love the part about the no thank you planet. So uh, (laughs) tell us, uh, what organizations have you been teamed up with and uh, how are you getting your message out?
2: Uh, Initially, um, Mm -hmm. it was uh, Health Connect One. We've okay. been involved. We've been in, involved with ILCA um, uh-huh. since 2012. Uh, WK Kellogg uh, has um, brought us in to do different speak, uh, sessions. Uh, the First Food Forum, the Black Mother Breastfeeding Association is is similar. Basically, my home base. Um, okay. I, I, work, I work along with those ladies and that and, and love each and every one of them like they were sisters. Um, and then there are uh, my my main teen program is through the New Heights program um, located in D.C., and they have several locations in different high schools for teen parents. parents. Um, I am looking at working at uh, – I'm working on a breastfeeding fathers group at Sibley Hospital, um, and throughout the surrounding area. So um, I, I thank you for seeing my vision and allowing me to speak uh, freely about it.
1: I'm thinking, wow, you, you don't have any grass growing your feet there, young, on, under <laughs> your feet. You've got a ton of stuff going on there. Holy Toledo. Uh, repeat for us, please, in the few seconds that we have left, repeat for us, how can we find you on the web?
2: You can find me at B, as in boy. Y as in yes, K as in king, U as in universe, R as in rice, O as in ostrich, J as in jump, I as in ice cream. Bye, Kuroji
1: loving it. Bye, Kuroji, is exactly what we need. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. As usual, this hour goes way, way too fast, and that's all the time we have today. I'd so much like to thank our guest, V. Kuroji Patrick, uh, for being with us today, and I'd especially like to thank all of you for listening, and I'd like to invite you all to come back next week. By all means, Visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up next week. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. I will be in several cities uh, from now until spring. So check it out or give us a call. Again, for parents, borntobebreastfed.com. For professionals, breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week.